Back in the 80s. Maybe, maybe late 80s, early 90s. I'm pretty sure it's in the late 80s. I used to do that. Too drunk. Threw them out. This is when it was like 20, 30 below zero. You froze right, right out those gates. Thank you for clicking on this podcast. I'm Aiden Doherty, and you're listening to Streets and Stories. My name is James Shearer. Um, I am the board president of Spare Changes. Um, I guess you would call it uh, a publisher, sponsoring organization, parent, homeless empowerment project, also the co-founder of Spare Change News. Um, Spare Change News began, um, uh, well, before that, Spare Change News became, began as an idea. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of Tim Harris, who at the time was the executive director of a, of a organization called Boston Jobs for Peace. He was working with uh, a gentleman by the name of Tim Harris, who was basically, Tim Hobson, who was basically volunteering and getting a little, and for, for the organization, he was volunteering down there. Tim was homeless. Well, Tim Hobson was, was homeless. Tim Harris was not. Um, Tim Hobson was basically volunteering down there. And um, he was, Hobson was uh, really worried at the time about um, uh, getting cut off of his welfare benefits and how he was going to survive. Um, so they hashed it around a little bit. And Tim Harris came up with the idea of a, of a newspaper. Now, there had already been homeless newspapers. There's one in San Francisco. The oldest one, I think, is in San Francisco. And there is was one in New York um, that it came and went. And um, Tim Hobson thought it was a great idea. And he brought it back to a few of us who were living, that were homeless with them, a few of us that had been around for a while and we tried other things and and our biggest frustration was the fact that we couldn't rely on um, the system uh, shelters that supposed to be taking care of us and giving us all this information to get housing um, because they weren't exactly doing that you know um, they I, I like to talk uh, tell people about uh, um, they used polio carrot and horse effect that when they um, they put a carrot in front of the horse and make the horse run and then when the horse gets close to where it's supposed to be it pulls the carrot back. That's what we felt like. So when Tim originally presented this idea to a few of us <clears throat> everybody thought it was a great idea except me. Um I, there were no there was no real history of well there was some history of homeless run organizations or homeless run projects that had been successful. Uh, one of those being um, the National Union of the Homeless, um, which I uh, which ironically I work with now as well. Um, but other than that, there hadn't been a whole lot that said, "Yeah, this is a great idea." Plus the fact that we were all homeless. Um, it just didn't, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to do all this? All right, we're homeless. Um, but yeah, we were supposed to write in the paper, publish it, 
and sell it. Okay, how are we going to do all this? Um, fortunately, Tim Harris, who um, had, was the executive director of Boston Jazz of Peace, him and the rest of, the, of, his, of, of his organization gladly opened their doors for us to be able to um, go through with this idea. Um, and we uh, did, but as we were going through it, um, creating it, we thought it would be more than a, just more than just a, a vehicle where we could make money. We wanted to be about something. And so we decided that we would make it about um, giving voices to those who don't have a voice, um, building a bridge between the haves and the have-nots. In other words, to, uh, uh, telling the, the real truth about what's going on with homelessness. Mainstream media doesn't do that. Okay, they, they, they're either, they're on one hand they're demonizing us, or they give us these little pity, pity stories um, every time the holidays come around. We've seen on the internet all the time all these little little pity stories, and it's just like, ah, uh, you know. Um, so we started, we started, we decided that this is what we're gonna do. Now the funny thing is, is that the system um, the shelters that we were all living in thought it was a bad idea, not because uh, they felt like it, it would be a waste of our time or going to housing, because of the fact that we couldn't do it. They didn't think we were smart enough. Um, there's a thing out there that homeless people are homeless because they're stupid. They're there because they want to be. They can't get anything done. They're all on drugs. They all have mental health disorders. Um, so, uh, you guys can't do this. At that juncture, I was convinced that we were going to because I'm very stubborn, as people will tell you that know me, and I was just like, yeah, we're going to do this. You know, so, um, we wanted to make it simple. Homeless people have to jump through too many hoops in order to achieve their goals. Um, they have to go through quarries and all that other crap. So, we wanted to make it real simple. All people got to do is show up. We don't even ask them their name, their real names half the time. We don't ask for IDs. We don't run Corey checks. We don't do any of that. People just need to show up and have a desire to empower themselves, which is what Spare Change is all about. We have, we have two. We have, we have a litany of things that we have to do that has to be done when we do orientation. But the two basic things is don't be drunk when you're selling the paper and don't be a jerk. Those are our two major rules. Can you explain to me how the whole process works from uh, getting your papers printed to the vendors? Getting them out? Yeah. Um, I, I, I failed to mention we have a vendors, a, a vendors writers fund. Vendors write for the paper. Um, not very many right now. They get $50 for that. Um, how it begins is simple. We, um, we write the stories, um, get them edited. Or we have an editor. Um, she sends it to the printer, and from there, it'll be here. The map paper will be here. The New York will be here tomorrow, and we give it out on Friday. That's pretty much it. It's not. It's it's not complicated at all. Um, we we've, we've had the fortune, good fortune of having good printers over the years that have that have given us our babe a good price. So it's not it's not that difficult. It really. So is. anyone can become a vendor. Anybody can do it. That's one of the myths of spare changes. That's only for homeless people. When it first began, yeah, we were. Everything was 
homeless. Anyone who has a who is, is down in the book and has a desire to to uh, improve themselves and follow themselves, they're welcome here. We don't discriminate about you know. You could be Barack Obama's daughter who's going to Harvard, and if she's needs a little extra cash, she can come down here and sell papers. <laughs> It'd be good publicity for us. Yeah, she can sell papers. Anybody can sell it. Um, how do the vendors get paid? The vendors get paid through, they come in and they buy the 50 cents. Buy the paper for 50 cents. Everything they make, they keep. Okay. Including if, if somebody donates directly to them, which frequently happens because our vendors work really hard. They're out there in all kinds of weather. And frequently they they have customers that I'm going to throw them an extra buck or two, maybe even five. I know vendors that have got that, that get received, including me when I was a vendor, 20 bucks just for a paper. Sometimes some people will just say, well, we'll take the paper because they appreciate seeing somebody out there doing, doing hard work. So that's how they get paid pretty much. Yeah. Um, we're looking at other ways to get them paid. But of course, people don't carry cash anymore. Um, and um, we're looking at, we're, right now we're looking at maybe creating an app that people can get paid for that because a lot of people don't carry cash anymore. And we used to survey uh, with customers that said their biggest thing right now is having a way, because they don't even yeah, carry cash on them, having a way for the vendors make them across so they can plug their credit card into a machine and give them money. So we have to figure all that out, um, but we're working on it. What type of stories do you like to cover? I do a column. Um, myself, um, and usually it's I'm critical. Some people call them rants. Yeah, they pretty much are of the way the system is, the way homeless people are treated, uh, poor people are treated. There, there, there. But we like to cover. Um, lately, we've been covering a lot of international and in because homelessness occurs everywhere. Um, but we're trying to get back to the local stuff that's happening right here in Massachusetts because there's a lot going on uh, affecting homeless people, poor people. You know, um, like uh, um, buildings that are being built in place of build, uh, building housing. Um, shelters is like, it's like an industrial complex. It's like every time there's a problem, let's build a shelter, let's create a program. And they're not, they're, they're not, it's all based, it's, it's, it's a consumer model. It's not a, okay, let's help people model. So... Um, we like to, lately we've been trying to cover that, cover that aspect of it because it's really gotten bad homes, it's gotten progressively worse. Uh, Massachusetts likes to think, oh, we're not that bad because they look at L.A. or somewhere like New York where there's 176,000 people and they think we're okay, we're not okay. It's, gonna get, it's, it's going to get worse. Uh, I was wondering if we could talk about the shelters. So, from my interviews uh, with people on the streets, a lot of people avoid the shelters due to different reasons. I was wondering if you have any. I have lots. Um, the system overall sucks. It's not designed to help people. I mean, they start out okay. Um, they get away from the mission. And it was something that we got away from for a little while. They got away from the mission that everything's about money. Where can I get the next grant from? Um, or donations. It, uh, you know, if you stick with your mission, this is my thing. If you stick with your mission, people are going to see that and the money's going to come. 
but, but you get away from it. And But a lot of uh, shelters, I, I like to say the shelters have a great public relations team because they paint it like they're actually doing well when it comes to a vendor. The person that's graduating from the programs, if they go out there for some reason, they don't, they don't make it or a crisis or something like that. There's no support system to back all that up. Okay, and, and, and they don't have one. You ask them, they say, oh, well, spirit change is not like that. When people, if we have vendors, they go, and if they go away for a long time, um, they're always welcome back. If something, you know, it could be something slight, you know, they, they got hurt, they were in there, you know, something like that. <clears throat> if they need us, we're here. You can always come back. Are there certain ways that you help out your vendors as a company? We're working on that right now. We have connections to certain places, but I would like us to have, I eventually, this is what I'm talking about with the homeless empowerment project. I, I like to see us have more connections of two, two people. Maybe we can have someone that I, I get, I, I'm careful about us becoming a social service agency. So maybe um, you know, uh, a program director that kind of helps them up and guides them. Um, on, you know, and another thing we're thinking about is having our own uh, labor force, not separate from vendors, but like a, a, a day labor pool, things like that, where we can get contracts with, with people that are hiring for steady jobs and send people there. Those are a couple of ways. And we're always thinking about a way what can we do to grab housing? We would love to partner up with uh, another agency in the future and create housing for people. Um, hey, Cliff. All right. Um, the other thing we like, we're doing, we're working on now, is um, <clears throat> youth homelessness, and we've done that in the past, but we haven't done it recently. And we're trying to get back to that too. We're trying to partner up with a charter school, and maybe not only have Youth sell papers <clears throat> during the summer, but maybe give them some kind of incentive, help them get college, go to college, and stuff like that. So we're working on a lot of things to help, to help poor people, help poor and homeless people. Um, we'll get there eventually. It's going to be a long road, but we'll get there. Yeah. Going back to the shelter issue. Yep. Why do you feel uh, people avoid the shelter? The reason why they avoid them is number one, like I said before, the uh, they're not there to help us. They're not, I've always called shelters prisons, except you can leave in the morning. Some people go into shelters and get humiliated by the staff itself. It's, you go in and they don't really care about you or your day. They don't have any systems for that. So you go in and uh, they usually want to think over you. You too, Jerry. Make sure you don't have any weapons. Patch it down. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, then you're, if they have them, they give you pajamas, you sit in front of a TV, you eat whatever they're serving, whatever God names it, they might as well serve you gruel. And then you go to bed. That's it. They kick you out. Some shelters kick you out at five, some kick you out at six, some kick you out at seven. Um, if it's a rainy day, but it's warm, but it's, if it's above 30 degrees, 32 degrees, they'll kick you out in it. Uh, if it's just a really cold day, but it's over 32 degrees, they'll get, kick you out. And even sometimes, if the mayor doesn't say a state of emergency or something like that's too cold, they'll send you out in it. 
Um, there's no, they don't, most of them don't serve much, so you can't come back to the shelter to a certain time. Um, uh, some people have to, like, like, let's say you're having a job interview at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but you have to get back because um, someone somewhere like uh, a Pine Street shelter, which is well, one of the bigger shelters, you have to get in the line to get a bed. And I think you have to be at one shelter. I think if, you don't, if you're not there by 6.45, you don't get a bed. So you're screwed. Um, women's shelters, most of them are even worse. A lot of them are, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of them you have to be back at. Like, I know one that you have to check in at 3 o'clock, catch a van. If you miss the van, you can't, yeah, you can't get there. I know some, I know one, I know one female women's shelter that they use, use a card system. And when you show up at a certain place to meet the, to meet the van, if you've got, um, Say there's you got 16 beds and 17 women, they draw they draw straws or like cars to see who has to leave. Whoever gets the X, go in the street. They don't tell them where to go. They just send them anywhere. So it's it's like a lot of them are wet shelters. A lot of them are not wet shelters. They don't take people in there drinking and drugging. So people that drink and drug, if they go to a shelter that's a dry shelter, they're stuck. That's it. And a lot of them are just plain unsafe. For people, especially for the LGBTQ crowd, they if they go in there and they can be harassed, beaten, raped, and do anything, you know. So it's like these are the things that happen. These are the reason why a lot of people would rather stay in the street. I guess you can say that when you think you've done a great job. And it hits you squarely in the face and it says it's not enough. A few years ago, we were celebrating our like 21st or 22nd anniversary. And we were doing it, we usually do a gala. And we had one in Boston and it was huge. It was in, people were like celebrating and this and that and this and that. And, and I was getting a lot of that praise. The next day, um, I was catching the train in the subway on the Orange Line, downtown crossing. And I saw one of our former vendors named Myrna. Now, we hadn't seen Myrna in weeks. Sweet, sweet little old lady. Not old, but, you know, middle-aged. Um, she used to come in here all the time, talk people's ears off. <clears throat> I remember one time she left her bag here, and I grabbed it, and I ran down to Central Square, and I caught her and gave it to her. Um, but she was really, really sweet. Everybody liked her. But we hadn't seen her in a while. You know, we knew she took care of her mother. And, you know, we just like, what happened to her? So anyway, I'm down the station, and I see her. And she's got a, uh, uh, a shopping cart full of clothes. I'm like, because that wasn't her. Um, and I looked over, and I said, hi, Marla. She didn't even recognize me. She was having, I guess she was, ha was having episodes. And, the, and I'm looking around and there are people that she's yelling, screaming and everything, and at nobody in particular. And I'm noticing all people are like, so, you know, looking at her, you know, looking down like they always do homeless people. And BTA cop came over to me 
is and my cop, but I, uh, inspector, came over to me, asked me if I knew her. And I said, yeah, and I explained to him who I was and, and who she was. And he said, every time, he said, she's been down here for a while, yelling, screaming, and all this other stuff. And I noticed as he was saying that, talking to me, he was moving closer to her, not to grab her, but to make sure she didn't jump on the tracks. And he said, every time I call services to come get her, they come get her, it's two or three days, she's right back out here. I was like, damn, and so he called cops, he called, not the cops, he called services to come get her, they did. And I got on the train, and I was like, damn, we haven't made the difference like thought we had because of that. So that like taught me a lesson, like, so every, every gala, I now every time we celebrate an anniversary, I tell people we celebrate tonight, we go back to work tomorrow. I always tell people that if you go buy a person that's panhandling, um, I don't care if you give them a sandwich, I don't care if you give them money, whatever. Just don't act like they're not there. Acknowledge that presence. Sometimes a smile can make all the difference in the world. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of Streets and Stories. If you want to make a difference, please go to iwishiwasoutside.org, all lowercase. Thank you.